Well, good morning. It's Black Sheep Radio, the Friday edition uh, at the time of recording, 7.24 a.m., and it looks pretty nice outside, although the weather would say otherwise. Uh, three degrees today, periods of light snow mixed with rain. Uh, tomorrow looks a hell of a lot nicer. Sun and cloud, 9, and then Sunday right now, not so good, 11, and rain in the forecast. Paul Morris, being a Friday, is joining us. Good morning, sir. Good morning. How wish you doing, man? Would, I just wish winter would give up for crying out loud. I know, right? So insane. I don't know, though, guys. I mean, what's worse, the weather being bad or being forced to look outside, for the most part, at really nice weather? Uh, the weather being bad. I, I'm with you, Polly. <laughs> I'm with Paul for sure. Yeah, I don't. I don't think there's any reason for a poll to go up on the Facebook page yeah. right now. Is Look, there? It's not like there's a chain holding me in place here. You know, I mean, I can enjoy it a little bit, but when it's right. snowing and it's shit out, there's no way I'm going to go out there. I know, yeah. right? And if it is nice outside, what the hell? I'll tie myself to a hitching post in the driveway just to soak up some sun. Yeah, I, oh, yeah, I went out grocery shopping a couple days ago and it started snowing on my way home. I was like, what the fuck is going <laughs> on here? <laughs> what is this? Where are the locusts? I'm <laughs> waiting for the locusts. <laughs> <laughs> Paul's outside, like, putting blood over his doorway right now. Just whatever <laughs> will work. Just anything. <laughs> Come on, man. Black Sheep Radio with Ben McVie and Chris Brown. Join the conversation at BSR Podcast on Facebook and at Radio underscore Sheep on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, okay, so every Friday, uh, Paul, who is a former co-worker of mine and music director, long time at Hits FM in St. Catharines, uh, joins us now. We're out to pasture, Paulie, but we still talk music every Friday, you and I, along with Chris, and uh, we bring a list. And this week we're doing the weirdest, wildest things we ever saw at a concert. These yeah. can be audience, these can be band members, whatever, uh, whatever. Something that happened in the parking lot, doesn't matter. So who wants to start? All, All right, you guys go ahead for sure. Polly? I'm going to start here. I'm going to start with uh, uh, an incident that uh, is at a rap show. Okay. And this was the young MC. And Maestro move. Fresh West in Hamilton. Now, back oh. when Let Your Backbone Slide was a big hit from Maestro and when um, the young bust MC a move. had Bust a Move. Okay? Yeah. yeah. And those were in the early days of rock. And um, nice rock, excuse me, the early days of rap. And <laughs> when these rap artists came to town, they were in the hands of the local promoters who always would make promises. Yeah, we'll make sure that the security is in place and the sound is good and all of that stuff. When we arrived, there's a lineup as long as as long as in right down the street saying, what's going on? You know, and I know that sometimes there's some problems and there you can hear them inside sound checking. So, you know, OK, they're running things a little late. So we get in there. Finally, the show starts, I'm not kidding, an hour and a half late. It's 8 o'clock on the ticket. We don't really get started till 9.30. Maestro Fresh West starts the whole show. And they start going. But midway through the first song, the turntables are starting to cut out. And so Maestro stops rapping. And he looks at the guy behind the soundboard and said, Come on, man. I thought we got this fixed. The guy started nodding his head up and down. He said, you know, like and waving at the stage. I got this, man. Don't worry about it. So they go in. They're two songs in. And all of a sudden, the turntables cut oh, out again. Oh, oh, man. 
And the guy just, Meister just takes his microphone and he kind of drops his, like, like what the, what the fuck, right? Guy gets it fixed. They start into the next song. The turntables crap out. <laughs> oh, but, my but, God. But this time, <laughs> this time, the guy on the turntables get down off the stage, <laughs> goes down the side stage, down the steps on the side of the stage, and comes out to the guy at the soundboard and takes him by the cuff, takes him by his shirt, and takes him out into the alley. <laughs> You're kidding me. So we're, we're just standing around, what the hell is going on? <laughs> now, I'm with a record company guy at this particular time, and we're kind of like, well, and he's looking at me, he's like, I've just, this is like, this, I've never seen this before. Nothing is happening at this particular time. <laughs> he gets, my record rep gets a phone call on his cell, and he said, um, the young MC and his bus just pulled up to the venue, and they saw a fighter in the alley. They all got back in the bus and they've gone to their hotel. And I'm kind of going like, oh, is there going to be a show or not? I'm not kidding. Long story short here is that the young MC didn't get on stage until one o'clock in the morning to, because contractually he had to do the show, but there's no way he was going to bring his entourage into this, into this stupid situation. And particularly if, you know, if the, if the tech problems weren't resolved, everything worked out. Okay. The guy played for like 30 minutes at one o'clock in the morning. I'm just, I, I'm trying to, to, in my mind, hear the argument between the two parties, the, the right. venue and the management and the venue pointing at the contract saying, no, it says right here specifically bust a move. Now get out there and do it. Also about saving face. I mean, a lot of people come to this show because they wanted to see this guy who had a big, big rap hit at the, at the time. And it just, it underlined the importance of good, a good promoter who knows how to put an event on and back in those days a lot of these guys were fly by night this was not live nation putting this show yeah. on. this was this is joe's this is joe's pizza shop or something like that putting the show on and <laughs> and again it was the early days of rap when you know there was just, there was a lot of fly by night and and i'll never forget the story when when maestro fresh west's oh. dj came around and punched the lights out of the sub guy <laughs> and backstage Young MC's agent turns to Young MC. He's like, "Well, you know what to do, Chief. Bust a move." <laughs> <laughs> All right, who's next? All right, uh, Chris, can I go? Yeah, go ahead, man. I'm just gonna go with this. It's not a one-time event. It, it became sort of a, I don't know, not not a gimmick, just a thing. But okay. the first time I saw the headstones, uh. <laughs> Here's Hugh Dillon. It's the first time I've seen Hugh Dillon, who I think, behind Gord Downey, probably, definitely is on the front man Mount Rushmore, as far as I'm concerned. The guy is just electrifying. But Dillon had this thing for a while. Polly can attest to it because we saw them millions of times. Dillon yep. had two things from stage. First of all, he'd hawk loogies like nobody's business. I actually put my palm in one on a mic stand once. Like, oh, God, I got Dillon when I was bringing him on. Like, he hawked loogies like nobody's business at the yep. audience, on the floor, wherever. But he had this thing where audience – this is when you could smoke in bars. Audience members – would flick cigarettes at him, and Dylan, without flinching, would catch the cigarette, 
take a drag off it and flick it back at the audience. And it's one of the most badass, cool rock and roll frontman moves I've ever seen to this day. And the first time I saw it, I went, I want to be that guy. That is so that, punk rock. Oh, That's amazing. It was just so cool. I mean, it's, it's just, I don't know. There was just something about the way he did it and just the way he owned that stage that just blew my mind. Blew my mind. <laughs> that's great. That is great. All right. So that's, I don't know. There's not much to add to that one, but I just thought that's a no, cool move. No, that's great. And he continues to be as confrontational, but he's not, uh, he's not spitting anymore. And he's, <laughs> nobody yeah. knows because you know, you're not allowed to bring them into a concert venue anymore. How they're times st- have changed. They're <laughs> still worth the price of admission. But uh, one of oh, these yeah. days, I know we had said, uh, this is a bit of a spoiler. We had said one of these days, we've got to do a list of bands that you've got to see in a bar. Mm-hmm. The Headstones are definitely on that list for me. One of the best bar acts you'll ever 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 see they were great yeah, yeah. Uh, cool. chris chris well um bef- before we get to my story i just wanted to say that um uh i actually i actually work with um uh, one of my one of my coworkers is married to uh the guitar player for the headstone so and she oh, listens right to the show all the time so i usually <laughs> i usually i usually give her a shout out i usually give her a heads up when we, whenever we talk about the headstone so yeah. i'm definitely going to reach out to her today and, and tell her because yeah it's pretty cool um, yeah, I love the headstones. Anyways, oh. okay, so I have a bunch of weird kind of stories. Obviously, I was racking my brain um, to try to think of what, what we could do. One of my favorite ones that I actually just remembered this morning, it was in 2016. Okay. okay. We were seeing Eagles of Death Metal. Um, yeah. I went there, went to see Eagles of Death Metal with a couple of friends. <laughs> this was actually the first show in Toronto after the whole Bataclan Wow. nonsense right which was mm-hmm. terrifying to be there i'll be honest with you i was at the opera house um and i don't know if you ever saw the headlines but we we got there a little bit later than than we had anticipated and so we were kind of at the back of the crowd um it was a great show still had a really good time but we were nearing the back of the opera house and and there was a lot of like you know about halfway through the show, maybe maybe a third of the way into the show, we noticed like there was like a little bit of back and forth, like like jostling, more jostling between the, the, our area than than um, than is typical, you know, like for a hard rock show. And we look over, and there was like a fight going on, I guess. Yeah. And at one point, one guy went in to break up the fight, and the guy that went in to break up the fight um, got attacked by one of the people that was in the middle of the fight yeah. and and got his ear bitten off. Oh, jeez. I swear to God. Mm-hmm. It made it to the Toronto Star the next day. Like, and it was crazy. And it just all chaos ensued. And it was just like, I've never seen, like, sometimes you see, like, a little hard rock, like, people, the, the, the animosity spills over, but I've never seen anybody go for the ear like Mike Tyson. You know what I mean? It was crazy. Jeez, remember remember how crazy. I was, remember how I was saying yesterday, Chris, they sh- there should be two grocery stores, one for people in a good mood and one for people in a bad mood? Absolutely. When they announce tours, they should do two separate shows, like they always do a big band comes around and they play twice they should do one night for cool people and one night for the assholes yeah and just let mm-hmm. let them devour each other that's fine yeah. go see your rock show but keep your bullshit out of my show um i've been in a couple of uh <clears throat> a couple of uh mosh pits before and oh. there is there is and some of them are nothing but circles you know where people run around a circle and then sometimes there's ones that you sort of 
<laughs> sort of bounce on like it bounce around in the middle of the circle like it's a science experiment like atoms crashing into each other right but, but right there is an, that's there a great is, way of putting it yeah that's a great there, way of- there is an etiquette to that whole thing there are certain things that you don't do and one of them is you're not in there to hurt you might get yeah. hurt because it's going to get physical i mean it's a contact sport a mosh pit mm-hmm. but um, we're not in there to punch each other's lights out. And uh, I think in the case, Chris, in your case here, it's just a guy that was probably at a few too many or somebody said something yeah. he didn't like. It had probably nothing to do with Eagles of Death Metal, but the coincidence can be a little frightening for sure, you know? Listen, yeah. I, I'm going to put it to you this way. Mosh pits continue to be a thing at some shows. I was like prime age when the mosh pit began, like late yeah. 80s, early 90s. And at first it was fun, but I'll tell you something after it was like the wave at pro sports. It was fun for the first, you know, figuratively speaking, it was fun for the first little bit, but it got tired really quick. I I, I can't remember the last time I even bothered to go near one. It's just, again, the douchebags ruin it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's it's true. And sad to say. Polly, what do you got next? All right, I got a whole bunch here. Um, Sweet. This is um, this is. Let's go back. This is you two at Massey Hall, and it's back yeah, when. It's, hold, uh, whoa, 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 whoa! Hold the phone. Yeah. You what? saw you two at Massey Hall twice. <laughs> oh, shot! Come on. So I'm, I, I'm older, so okay. <laughs> yeah, fine. I was. You two. This is when the War album was out. Was so Sunday Bloody Sunday and, and New Year's wow. Day and all those songs, right? And and they were. Um, you know, they weren't new to Toronto. They had been to Toronto beforehand playing really small rooms. But this play Massey Hall it, it, back then and, and I guess to today, it still represents that you have crossed the river and you're now in playing in um, the hallowed hall that is Massey. And it was jam packed. It was it was the root. The, the crowd was crazy. And, the, and, and in the early days of U2, they could really whip the crowd into a frenzy. So it was one of those days. The place is just going nuts. The band are just playing on 10. And they're playing a song in the War album called Surrender. And they're in the instrumental section. And uh, one of the stage props that they have is a big, uh, is a flag, like a 10-foot, 10-foot, 12-foot flagpole with a red flag on the top of it. And Bono starts waving this in the middle of the song. And then he climbs the speakers that are stacked up on the side of the stage. And he climbs into the first balcony. Now, I'm not sure if you've been to Massey Hall, but the balcony is pretty easy to get at. Crowd is like, yeah, this is great, man. What's this crazy ass man doing, right? I'm sitting in the first balcony. And uh, he climbs up. The band is still playing, watching him, wondering what the hell is he going to do? And he he gets to the front row there, and there is a brass railing which protects. You know, it's kind of like a brass railing, like you know, so that for providing some sort of safety for the crowd that's there. And Bono gets up on the brass railing, walking it like a tightrope. But when he does it, the crowd are holding his ankles to hold him secure. So here's Bono looking like some circus clown walking along this. Uh, this brass railing and I'm looking right down right down that railing I said this guy is an idiot he's gonna kill himself <laughs> so he would he would be you know so he's got think of it he's got like he's got like two pairs of hands on each leg locking him in place and he's got his arms off to the side sort of you know trying to get his balance 
And then he takes his back foot and he moves it in front of the front one. And there's another set of hands that hold him. And then he pivots and he faces the pit, the floor. And he goes, oh, man, this idiot going to jump. And he didn't. <laughs> I think. I think. I think one of the guys in the band shot him a look and said, "You idiot! You, you're not going to do this." <laughs> so then he got down, crawled down, and started. Kept going, doing the show again. So, but that was that was one of the wildest things ever. And and I just for a second there, you're just sitting there. You're just sitting there holding your breath. And, oh my god! You know. Now we know guys like Eddie Vedder and many others have jumped from the balcony. That's right. Yeah. But, but this is this is early eighties. It's like nobody does this kind of stuff. Wow! It was, it was so exciting. It was that's so, awesome. It was crazy. Now apparently, I, I was reading one of their books, and apparently, this is something that Bono would do uh, on occasion. And he has jumped from the balcony, and the band gave him proper shit. They said, "Look, it, you've turned us into a circus act. Nobody's listening to this great music that we're doing. It's all about it's all about the lunatic free, uh, lead singer." And for Bono, you know, he has a history of like, hey, nobody's paying attention to us, but sometimes you have to be, you do have to be that type of lead. You have to be the extrovert to get people to pay attention to you. So mm-hmm. in the years that followed, I think they kind of found a balance. So, <laughs> Guys, have you ever witnessed or saw, seen somebody at a show and been equal parts curious and jealous as to what sort of narcotics they're on? Um. <laughs> um, what is that curious, on? curious is is a good word for it because yeah, I, have yeah, noticed, yeah. I have no desire to do that benny i just I'm, <laughs> i like about being in the moment and uh, i i've seen guys uh you know been dragged out of concert halls and saying what a fucking waste of time and money you know you're missing yeah. something really special and you had to do it tonight why don't you just get high at home i guess that's what it i, I guess that's my point of view on that. i'm 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 in this i'm in the same boat i i like i mean you know i, I the thing for me is always i don't lo- like like if if I were to experiment with something like that, I, I'd like to be in a controlled environment like right. the and, and, and being in a, a crowd of people with nowhere to turn to for help is the opposite of that. But, but I, I, I don't know. Now, That's Ben, you, you, obviously, you have obviously have a story to go with this one. Yeah, exactly. 1994. <laughs> I'm dying to hear this. 1994, yeah. Division Bell Tour, Pink Floyd. The mm. one and only time I saw Pink Floyd. I'm surprised I didn't make last week's list. But it was uh, Exhibition Stadium. I was in the ninth row on the floor. Oh, boy. It's, we were talking about shows that you camp out for tickets. That's the last time I ever camped out for a ticket was that okay. show. Okay. So I get ninth row. The story behind that is, is great, but I won't get into it. Anyway, ninth row, and there's a dude uh, about two or three seats down from me, and it's, it's Pink Floyd, and it's comfortably numb. So this is like your seminal Pink Floyd moment, right? Especially if you're sitting where I'm sitting. Mm -hmm. This guy is up on his chair dancing like he's at a fucking Madonna show. And it's comfortably numb. Comfortably numb. (laughs) And he's dancing like Pink Floyd is like like Madonna's out on stage with her cone tits playing Vogue. It's like, (laughs) dude, what are you doing? Right. So I'm just, we're all just looking at him like, what the fuck is anyway? That, that's why I asked the question. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm equally curious and a little bit jealous. Yeah. <laughs> He's having such a great time. You're having this kind of good time. Anyway, an enormous man of the biker persuasion is in the seat behind him. Yeah. 
he stand. I watched this whole thing transpire. He stood up, and I mean, this guy's so big that he's almost as tall as this knob standing on his chair, right? <laughs> he put his hand on his shoulder, and the guy stopped dancing immediately and turned around and sort of looked down at him, and he just he he gave him the most pleasant smile I've ever seen. But it was a smile that that conveyed. I'm being nice now. If you don't sit down, I'll eat you. And the guy just, he looked at him and promptly sat down. And that was the end of that. There, 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 were, there were no beatdowns. Nothing got ugly. It was just like a moment where, first of all, what's this guy on? And is he going to die now? Because <laughs> that guy was big, man. It was just, it was, it was comical. It was great. And by the way, Pink, so Pink, Pink Floyd was really good too. So there you no, go. I bet. Awesome. Um, yeah. We all know that Ben didn't dance during the <laughs> I don't dance, That's man. Ben. He does. He wouldn't dance even if it was Madonna. I don't dance. I'm not allowed to, according to my wife. And I love her for it. <laughs> um, so uh, uh, Paul's story about uh, the, the U2 uh, death-defying fucking extravaganza actually uh, reminded me of something. Um, so I, I think on a previous on the podcast, I mentioned that Rage Against the Machine show. Yes. So there's going to be actually a couple stories, maybe. Well, it depends how it goes because I have that, it was kind of a shit show. So there's a lot of stories from that specific show. But this one in particular, so it, it was – I, I think I told you before that that the lineup the it was Queens of the Stone Age and, and Rage Against the Machine, but there was actually another opener that opened that came on the stage before Queens of the Stone Age, and it was Cage the Elephant. Holy right. Jesus, this show is better, man. Yeah, it was fucked, right? Wow. So, but they, gotta, okay, yeah. I, so, was, <laughs> I was hoping he was going to say like Atlantic Star just to take some fucking luster <laughs> off this show. But no, wild. he comes out with Cage so, the Elephant. So, so this, so KG Elephant was, was the MC, in, by the way. <laughs> so KG Elephant was no one at this point, right? Nobody knew anything about them. I'm, I'll be honest with you, I don't really like that band all that much. Even, you know Aww, what I mean? But anyways, okay, all right, all right. They're just not, they're just not for me. But KG Elephant was there, and they were opening. Nobody knew who they were, and everyone was just. Most people there were waiting for Rage Against the Machine. Like yeah. a lot of people didn't even know who Queens of the Stone Age were. You yeah. know what I mean? Like so. Anyways. KG Elephant was playing. It was it was early, and uh, I guess uh, I don't know the lead singer's name, but I guess he got a little uh, he got a little too theatrical, yep. and he had the, he he had designs of stage diving. But the issue was is that the, the crowd was kind of thin, so he, he <laughs> stage dived. He, he I, I swear to God, he stage dived into the crowd and nobody caught him. <laughs> and he did a face plant. He ate it. He <gasps> ate the floor and got up and just, <laughs> he just got kept on singing. Just kept on singing like like he just he just took it on the chin and brushed it off. That, I've literally never seen anything like that in my life. It was oh it was sad. God. It was equal parts sad. And like, you know, I was, everyone was concerned, obviously cage, the elephant recovered, you know, from that, they, they went on and, and became one of the biggest rock bands for a really long period of time, actually. But it was just a crazy, I, I that, couldn't believe it. That yeah, he's a great lead singer. Yeah. He's great. They're yeah. fantastic. I, I, I just, I wish, I wish, I wish one of the moments I wish I'd have been there to see, it was a few years back at a Kings of Leon show and a pigeon shat in the singer's mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, you know what? They stopped. 
I, I read about that story. Yeah. <laughs> I read about that story. Yeah. The, uh, it was, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, you know, when you're playing outdoor shows, you can never predict what might happen. Uh, oh and, my God. And, and, and I read about that and the stage got attacked by birds. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard of bees and stuff like that. I mean, that's one thing is, you know, when we're in, we're in festival situations. We have no idea what's really going on stage. And if you get that's a chance so to get a little closer, a, a lot of wind is a real issue with them, you know, and, and Ben, you're a singer, you know what it's like having to cope yep. with the elements like that. It ain't easy. No, man, doing shows in rain and wind that I've done them. It's, it's not pleasant. No, but well, it's tough, but that's a <laughs> good story. That's a good story. A face plant by KG elephant. Paula, you're up. unbelievable. All right. Um, uh, something a little different. Um, Spandau ballet. I think I, I saw, uh, I'm dying I think, to know this. First uh, of all, I, you saw Spandau ballet. Pardon me. You saw Spandau ballet. I had to tell Chris who Spandau ballet was. He still has no idea. <laughs> well, think this. This was the '80s. Just think of, think of, um, you know, Duran Duran and all those bands that came out at that time. These are these bands from the UK. But, yeah, but worse. And, <laughs> and um, back in those days, I went. I saw everything, and they had a big hit with a song called "Gold." And these guys are uh, these guys would come up on stage like a lot of English bands would, and they are dressed like. They are dressed in the best clothes. These guys in this particular time were wearing like what white tuxedos, yeah, um, appointed with gold. On yeah, them. and um, the band st- the, the setup on the stage is it's um, you know typical rock band kind of arrangement with a lead singer and a guy on a saxophone who's really handsome, and then these then a, a riser with these three beautiful background singers who are just like oh my god you know every everybody looks gorgeous it's like right out of a fashion magazine it's yeah. like it's like vanity fair show with a really popular band at the time it's at massey hall and in those days it was not unusual for girls to climb up on stage and kiss and hug and mob lead singers happens all the time but in this in the case of this band as good looking as the lead singer was it was the saxophone player that was getting all the action and this was going on for like about 20 minutes to this whole show it seemed like every song there was an here comes another girl and she oh there she he's gonna get another you know she, this woman would be draping her arms around the guy. The guy can't play his saxophone. The roadies would come out and remove him. Then this guy gets up on stage and he is like six foot three. He is a monster. And the lead singer looks at this guy's and the look in his eyes like, you're not going to kiss me. And the saxophone player is looking at this monster of a guy that like, you're not going to kiss me. And he doesn't. He walks past the lead singer past the saxophone player and goes to the three girls who are background singers and wraps his arms around all three girls <laughs> and takes them backwards and they fall off the riser behind the stage. Oh my <laughs> he God. takes three girls. <laughs> now when now when you see concerts and girls get on stage man there's like these these roadies that are there to tackle them and rip them away because right. you, these guys who are performing are like i'm afraid for my life when these people come on stage they may love me but i not now 
I'm just great. I'm just thinking somewhere out there in the world is a man who owns claim to being the fact he's the only saxophone player in music history to get all the pussy. <laughs> that's a story into itself yes right oh yeah jeez like yeah, none, I, of it, I, none of that stuff surprised me i mean the girls running up on stage like these guys were like as i said they're stepping over a fashion magazine that was the thing of the day and it's like yeah man and but this guy when he got on stage it was like he could feel the whole room pause oh wow <laughs> that's wild so um good. okay i'm gonna go with uh i'll go with a u2 show Okay. Uh, this is in October of 1987. It's the Joshua Tree Tour. Nice. Okay. As a matter of fact, it's October the 8th. I remember this because I saw them on the 2nd at Exhibition Stadium and then on the 8th at the Odd in Buffalo. I saw both shows too. Amazing. You're kidding me. Yes, I saw both shows. Wow. Buffalo at the Odd and at the c &E. So, Paul, were you at the show in Buffalo where the guy ran up on stage and approached Bono, whose arm was in a sling because he separated his shoulder the night before in Cleveland. Yep. You were at that show. I was at that show, yeah. Do you Tell the remember? Story. Okay, do you remember then? They were, I forget what they were singing. Bono was having a tough night. His arm was hurt, and his voice, voice was struggling that night. Yeah, his voice was gone in Buffalo, yeah. It was, was shot. He was trying to do Unforgettable Fire and just could not get it out. And I can't remember the song that was playing, but a guy rushed the stage and went to put his arm around Bono. And Bono, I remember, said, don't touch my fucking arm, man. Yes, yes, I do remember that. Do you remember that? <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> that is the truth. Polly, here's yeah. a follow-up, okay? It was you. I, I was, I'm, t I'm telling that story on the air when I was working at Y108. And... Somebody guides me to a website where you can look up specific shows on that tour. Yeah. So I look it up, and somebody in is describing that show. They've got the set list, and I'm like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And then they mention some guy who comes up on stage. And I look underneath in the comments, there's the guy. <laughs> He lives, the guy lives in New Brunswick. He's like, I'm that guy. I contacted the guy. He told me the story in such vivid detail that it was the guy. And th this is, this is like what, over, well over two decades, almost three decades later. And I've always wondered, I wonder what happened to that guy. <laughs> no, you he, know. Yeah, he was, he was arrested and banned from the odd for a year. He got mischief and that was that. But I, I could not believe it wasn't just the story of the guy, don't touch my fucking arm. It's the fact that I've actually found the man who is living <laughs> in rural New Brunswick. I actually found the guy. <laughs> Something else. I just wanted to be Bono's friend. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Don't touch my fucking arm, man. And the, he, the, Holly, he got tackled, right? <laughs> of course he did. Oh, yeah, man. Like, it was, it was not pretty. <laughs> uh, Grit. Okay, so I'm going to go back to uh, – this is for the last time, I promise. I'm going to go back to that Rage Against the Machine show. <laughs> <laughs> this is one of my favorite concert moments ever, honestly, um, as far as crowd moments go. And I can still vividly see it Chris, in my mind. Chris, yeah. can, I just, can I just pause to ask, are you going to tell us that the Foo Fighters were the other opening act? <laughs> 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 no, no, no. Okay, all right. Mm -hmm. That's it as far as as far as surprise guests. <laughs> okay, sure. all right. Um, so, 
We okay. So the, to, just to kind of set the stage as far as what the environment looked like, uh, I think I said it before, but it, well, I'll reiterate it a little bit. Uh, it was at Alpine Valley, which in the winter is a, is a ski hill. It's in Wisconsin. Yep. Um, and so so it's it's steep, right? Like it's it's kind of steep. It's perfect for an outdoor venue when it's nice and sunny. But it wasn't nice and sunny. It actually had been raining for like three days leading up to the concert. Uh oh. So, yeah. So it was a, <laughs> it was a, it was a mud fest, right? Like especially once all of the Rage Against the Machine fans came in, like stepping on it, it turned up all the all the dirt, and it it ended up being like a complete shit show. It wasn't raining then at the show, but I mean it, it was it was a, it was a gong show. So anyway, it's, it's actually true story. That's why Max Yasger held Woodstock. He just wanted the soil turned out on his. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so we, um, so it, it, I mean, to, to kind of explain like how slippery it was, like in order for us, the group that I was with, to get down to the bottom of the hill, we actually slid, like, like we we just like belly slid down to the actual stage because like trying to walk down it was pretty much impossible. So people were literally just sliding down it to get down to the bottom. Anyways. Um, they, at the venue, as a lot of these venues are kind of like, uh, you know, Budweiser stage or whatever, they sell these giant beers, right? And there's this, this, this specifically in like these, these novelty glasses, uh, the ones that they were selling at that one was like a big electric guitar. So it's like, I don't, I don't know how big the beer actually was, but, but think like Vegas cocktails, you know, where with the big straws or whatever. So we're all sitting there. It was in between, I think it was in between Cage the Elephant and, um, and Queen. So it was still light out, you know, mm-hmm. um, uh, but we, there, there was some dead time. Nobody was really paying attention to, to the act that was on stage. So we were just kind of looking around and chatting with people or whatever. And if, and we look at the top of the hill, I guess midway to the hill at this point, there's a guy and he's like a bigger dude and he's got two of these fucking guitar beers and he's slowly, <laughs> he's slowly inching his way down this fucking slippery ass hill, right? Like it's like he's like you can tell like his ankles are shaking, his knees are shaking. He's like slowly trying to get down with these like I don't know twenty five dollar beers or whatever. And everyone eventually the whole crowd turns to watch this guy go down, and everyone starts cheering him on. And he's like, let's go, buddy. You can do it. And he's like slowly inching it away, inching away. And like he's about, I don't know, maybe at like the like the final 20 yards and he just kicks out. Like his legs go out from under him and the beers go flying. And he just like ends up in the mud and he just like spread eagle in the mud in complete shame. And everyone just starts cheering. It was one of the funniest things I've ever seen. I was like, oh, no, somebody get that man a beer. Chris, Chris is watching the whole thing transpire, wondering how long before this guy looks like the lead singer from Cage the Elephant. Yeah, <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Yeah, it was just so fun. Uh, Paul, you want to do one more? Oh, I've, I've got three, I've, I've got actually. Okay, Two are quick and one's go. a little longer. Okay, um, go for it. First one I'm going to bring up is um, this is at Heavy T.O., Okay, remember Heavy T.O. was a heavy yep. metal festival in Toronto up in Downsview. Lasted only two years, unfortunately. And um, Slayer was on the bill. Fantastic. They're one of the headliners. Pretty exciting. And if you know anything about Slayer fans, they can be pretty tribal. You know what I mean? Like, get the fuck out of our way. Eat shit and die. That type of thing. Uh, there were guy also on the bill that day 
was Billy Talent. And for and, and I think they were looking life. for some balance. They were looking for Toronto, and you could argue that you know on one hand they're not metal, but you can also argue that they have enough of an edge oh. that in the spirit of a heavy metal show, you can kind of fit them in. Mm-hmm. Yep, I agree. But to Slayer fans, no, they're fancy pants boys. You know what I mean? Yep. <laughs> there, were, there were guys walking around wearing Slayer t-shirts and on the back of them, Billy Talent must die. Oh. <laughs> I don't know who put the set list together, but um, <laughs> Billy Talent followed Slayer. Oh, my God. Slayer was on the stage on the left-hand side. Billy Talent were on the right-hand stage. And I went, oh, this is not going to be pretty. I mean, if it was kind of like Billy, if it was was like Slayer and then uh, Rob Zombie and then Billy Talent, it would be different. But Mm. Billy Talent followed Slayer. So essentially the the venue was is the two stages are side by side, literally side by side. So while one band is playing on stage A, they're sitting up sides stage B. So Slayer comes on, it does an incredible set, crowds freaking nuts. And then everybody slides over, literally moves over to in front of uh, in front of stage B and Billy Talent comes out and the bottles start raining on stage. Oh. Oh no! It's a Slayer song called "Raining in Blood." <laughs> oh <laughs> it is ra- no! And the great thing about it is that Ben, the lead singer from the Ben, Ben, the lead singer from Billy Talent, was on the front of the stage, as was um, what's his name playing guitar. And they said, "Like, bring it on! Just come on, bring it on!" And they knew they knew they were put in an impossible situation, but all oh, the booing between songs and Ben just held his composure. Meanwhile, the stage roadies were looking at, looking at these guys and pointing them. And, and finally security were coming and removing guys. But for 15 minutes, it was dangerous in wow. front of that stage because they wanted a piece of this band. They literally, if they could crawl on stage, they would, but there's this huge barricade that separated the crowd and the pit from the front of the stage by at least 20 feet, 20 or 30 feet. So it never really happened. Wow. Okay. Uh, number two, I caught ZZ top lip syncing. So it's at Hamilton. It's at Hamilton at Cops Coliseum, and it was the Recycler Tour. And they got this thing where they've got these. um, It's a gimmick that they have. They have these two um, conveyor belts that come up from the center of the stage. One goes to the left and one goes to the right. And so as they're playing their boogie rhythm and all the rest, Dusty Hill, the bass player, is trying to walk to the left and. Billy Gibbons, the guitar player and singers, walk into the right. And they're walking and they're playing. It's kind of a cool type of thing, right? Making right. some great noise. And then all of a sudden, the lead vocal comes over the PA system. Oh, no. <laughs> and you're going, what's going on? He's still on the conveyor belt. The microphone is still at the front of the stage. And they weren't using the wireless mics at all. Oh, <laughs> and so Billy no. Gibbon jumps off the conveyor belt and runs to the stage to pick up where he was supposed to be singing. Oh, no. <laughs> It, it it actually hurt to see that, to be honest with you. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, they're, they're a cool band. And I think, you know, they were at this point in time is that 
you know, we're going to do this gimmick and we kind of need the background vocals because by the time I get back, I'm going to be out of breath. Well, he, he Polly, sings 90% of the show. But in their that, defense, it was the recycler tour. Yeah. <laughs> here's some recycled vocals for you technically it's not false advertising right no. <laughs> can i give you one more please yeah 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 real quick here this is uh, guns and roses at cops coliseum mm. and i've seen them any number of times and um one thing that kind of annoyed me is that every time you saw the Gunners, it seemed to be a greatest hit show. And, and I love the deep cuts with Guns N' Roses. And they were doing one of those shows that night. They were just on fire. In fact, it, it was a show when they were doing an acoustic set, when they come out to do patience and stuff like that. Instead of bringing these stools out, the bar stools, you know, as so many bands do, they brought a couch out. <laughs> and it was just awesome. They were fantastic that night. At the end of the show, you know it's coming to an end because they got Paradise City. And when you get into the middle in, in that song, when the guitar solo starts going, you know, everybody's eyes are down because you're playing at blazing speed. During this part, somebody threw a bottle at Axl Rose. Oh, no. A water bottle at him. And he he had he was singing at the time and it just grazed right past him it didn't hit him it grazed right past him axel stopped singing the band is still plowing away you know they don't know what's going on because i said they're all heads down just you know putting zillions of guitar notes on top of guitar notes uh axel takes his microphone looks at another crowd says fuck this takes his microphone and slams it into the floor and walks off meanwhile the band is still playing that guitar solo. Nobody, what's going, no, nobody knows what's going on for at least 30 seconds. And then Duff McKagan looks up and he looks at Slash and he says, what's going on? They're still playing Paradise City, by the way. And Slash kind of shrugs his shoulders going like, I don't know. And they look off to the side of the stage and said, I don't know. Nobody knows what's going on. So uh, it's pretty obvious that Axel is left for the night. And so McKagan comes up and sings the final verse of Paradise City. And the band are out and say, good night. And they leave. Uh, later that night, Slash got on the phone with us at Hits FM and explained what had happened and apologized to the audience, but also pointed that some dickhead had thrown a bottle at the lead singer, and you just don't do that. So they had to cut the show a little shorter. Wow. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. Don't throw bottles. Don't Jeez. throw bottles. Oh, you, gonna- know what, you know one thing I hate at a concert, at a, especially a festival? Beach balls. Oh, my Me God. Too. Oh, frisbees. All that stuff. Get it out of here. Yeah. You know? Yep. Absolutely. There's a thing that's there's there's a thing at festivals now. I, I with the totems. Have you ever seen the like where people they get like a big stick and put like a picture on the end of it and they hold it up? It's yep. a re, it's a yeah. So so it's a re, it's a real issue now. Honestly, like like you're getting what's you, the purpose of it. So uh, I think originally the purpose of it is so that you can find your friends. So if you go there with a group and you have this big, oh totem, my god, you, you put it up in in the thing. But now it's become like a, like a, I don't know, um, like a fashion accessory or something. And everybody has to have this totem of their group that that represents their personality. So like you go, you go to these shows and you'll see. 
30, 40 of them and they're always up front. You know what I mean? It's cra- it's crazy. It's a it's a real issue. I, I so- last time yeah, last time I went to a festival, I was like, all right, I get it. Like you have a Steve Carell meme on a big stick. Congra- congratulations. Like I'd really? like to see the show though. Man, that's that's yeah, I I would want to take that guy out. It's like put it down. Like what the fuck? It's so insane. It's so insane. Like they're everywhere. I swear to god. You guys should take a look at it now. Like music festivals you know, like everyone wants to be like, like some of them are funny for sure. But like at the end of the day, like they, it gets to, it has gotten to a point where, you know, it's reached the tipping point and they're everywhere. It's wild. Wow. I know. I'm just speaking about the beach ball thing. Uh, uh, this, I just remind, I just got, I just remember this story here. It was, um, it was a festival down in uh, Fort York. Um, the picnic that's down there. Anyways, um, the band Fucked Up was on stage. And Ben, you'll like this. I'm not sure if you know Fucked Up, but they're no. – uh, Fucked Up yeah, is yeah. An, an intense punk band out of Toronto led by a game named Damon Alburn. Is that his name? That is, I think that's the guy from the Gorillas. No, Damien. No, no. Yeah, you're right. I got that wrong. It's Damien. I can't remember his last name. Bearded guy. Uh, I got to see Gord Downey actually sing with this punk band. That's another story for another Whoa, day. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> but he was really pissed off because – I think the CBC had brought all these mini beach balls. They were probably about 10 inches in diameter. And, you know, they're they're trying to create the the summer picnic that this festival can be at times, but not in front of an angry punk band. And Mm. so this guy was so pissed off, he was grabbing these these beach balls and tearing them apart with his hands. It was hilarious. He would jump into the audience and say, give me that fucking thing. And he was ripping this thing. Then one time he just put it over his head and made it a hat. At, you know but yeah they get in the way you know I, yeah. I you know maybe at the end of a show it's cool you know what i mean the last song and it's like a, like it's like the confetti cannons you know when they blow them off mm-hmm. at the end of a show it's kind of fun you know but yeah. not not from just not because what happens is that people pay more attention to the balls than they do on the band and then all of a sudden it comes your way and you say ah, i guess i'll play along too and then you realize it's like i'm missing the whole point here yeah uh, One day I hope to have a grandson now, just so if, when he asks me if he should do something, my response is going to be, not in front of an angry punk band, son. You can do that. Just don't do it in front of an angry punk band, okay? Yeah. I've never heard about these totems. I'm going to I'm gonna have to look this up. Yeah. This is, it's, this a, is, it's a thing, man. It's bad. You know uh, what I'm doing? Bad. You know what I'm doing? First thing what? I'm doing, I'm making myself a totem, and I'm going to go to a Slayer show. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you write uh, "fuck Billy Talent" on it, you'll be okay. Yeah, we are. <laughs> Billy Talent uh, must die. <laughs> guys, as we wrap up every week, uh, I, I get a list. I'm, I'm always listening and going, "Okay, there's a list, or there's a list, or there's a list." So so far, we've come up with these are ones that we can work with. Maybe in the future, maybe you want to look at one next week. We've got a bunch. Uh, coolest people I've ever met at a show. Strangers. Mm. So these are stories about, you know, I, I bumped into this guy or girl, and you wouldn't believe the story. Maybe there's something in that. Um, yeah. And then I've got two that I don't know if they're one or two. May, you tell me. Okay, so these are concerts where you combine the band with the venue, and you've got magic. Ooh. Okay, this, this is sort of inspired off Polly saying, I saw you too, but not only that, I saw him at Massey Hall. Maybe there's something there. Although anything at Massey Hall is going to be on that list. Yeah. 
Um, and then, yeah, that brought me to just playing the best place you personally, you, your personal five best venues to see a show. You've ever seen one. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. Yeah. Great. Yeah. All right. What's, All right. Got, what's everybody got planned for the weekend? Uh, well, uh, not much. <laughs> not much, huh? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I asked that in jest. Polly, before you go, though, I, I do, I want to insist on, on uh, giving one thing at the end of each episode where you're on, and that's a random question for Polly. Oh, go. <laughs> All right. Uh, no, it's an easy one today. It's up on our Facebook page. Uh, when everything is not, when the world is not a shit show, what's your favorite aisle at the grocery store? Oh, um... I'm gonna go with the meat section. Jeez, come on! No, that no, no. That's mm-hmm. a, that's a section. I hate to be specific on you. We're talking aisles here. Oh well, I I like to cook, so I, I'm gonna say um, uh, where all the sauces are. The yeah. so- okay, all right. Duly noted. I'm a sauce and spice guy myself. Yeah, me too. Me too. Yeah, there's there's a lot to there's a lot to discover in there. It's like, ooh, what's this? You know, yeah. and I I'm one of these people like, geez, I see. You know, I've never used um, an oyster, not an oyster sauce, a clam sauce. Hmm. hmm. What if you use this? And so you turn around, and sometimes with these things, you'll see a recipe on the back. Ah, oh, so you go home and you make up great pasta with it. So yeah, that's that's a great aisle to discover because there's there's some flavors that you can't put together in a pot at home uh, that come already pre-mixed and away you go. Maybe it's a jerk chicken sauce or something like that. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah. If, you're, if you're listening to the show right now, there are those guys that you'll see at Canadian Tire in the automotive section yes. who are just are lit up like a Christmas tree because they, they, they know cars and, wow, look at this gadget. Um, oh. You're not listening to three of those guys right now. <laughs> those, we three guys, we're like that, the, the Canadian Tire guy in the sauce aisle. <laughs> and I'm okay with that. <laughs> Guys, have a, have a great weekend. Yeah, you too. See you, boys. See ya. This has been another episode of Black Sheep Radio with Ben McVie and Chris Brown. If you liked what you heard, don't forget to follow, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.